Attention nerds! If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire The Riley and Kimmy Show! The Riley and Kimmy Show The Riley and Kimmy Show Toys, movies, comics, and so much more The Riley and Kimmy Show And the more that you listen, the more that you know The Riley and Kimmy Show And welcome to The Riley and Kimmy Show, episode 622 And belting out that tune there, our jingle was Outdated Slang And the uh, vocals by Katie Roberts And by the way, a couple of members of Outdated Slang will be in Mount Dora, Florida Coming up on this Saturday, that is uh, September 19th Riley and Kimmy Show will be there, and as I said, Outdated Slang will be there, give you a chance to meet them as well. Unofficially, they're not performing. They'll be at a table, Terry Moore's table, and he'll have some sports uh, memorabilia, and Katie Roberts will be there too, I believe, with some craft projects uh, that she'll have, and they'll have CDs as well available. They're a brand new CD that is out. And on this episode, 622, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Mark Mayhew, back to the microphone. Hello, Mark. Hello, Patrick. I saw her, uh, well, I saw those CDs for sale today. Yes, you did. Uh, actually, uh, the, well, it wasn't just today, because today is now another day. You saw them on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You saw them. Um, yes. Outdated slang. As a matter of fact, I have the CD right here in my hand, Mark. And it is available at uh, Carousel's Collectibles in downtown Deland. We'll give a big shout out to uh, Carousel's Collectibles. And they have the outdated slang available. That's sort of like the, um, oh, the unofficial home of outdated slang. So you can pick those up anytime during regular business hours. And by the way, before Saturday, uh, we, we, Mark and I dropped off. I don't, I, I, I'd hate to guess how many, Mark, uh, VIP passes to Lake Collecticon for this upcoming uh, Saturday show. I, I don't know, over 50, I would, I would guess. I wish I could stay to be there. It sounds like it's going to be a great event. I know there are so many reasons to be at this great event. Just <laughs> that include. And what is one of those reasons? Oh, one of those reasons, my friend, is something we talked about on the previous episode, and that is the legend, the Hollywood legend, Johnny Duncan. Yes, right. Will be there. And by the way, when I spoke of uh, outdated slang and Terry Moore's table, I believe, and I'm not, you know, this isn't a 100% thing. I believe. Uh, Terry is bringing along with him some of the uh, biographies, the Hollywood legend, the Johnny Duncan story with him. He'll have those. And why those are great is, number one, they're already uh, autographed by Richard Lester, the the author. But you can get those autographed, all those books, by Johnny Duncan himself, the man who played Robin back in 1949 in the Batman movie serial. He will be on hand. Get a chance to get that. Now, this is, I don't want to say a rare appearance, but he's appeared in the region before. Oh, yes. Yes, he has. Matter of fact, uh, if you'll remember, if you will recall, Mark, uh, before the previous episode, we sat down and watched the Johnny Duncan DVD. Now, I'm not certain. That was recorded, I think, a couple of years ago in downtown DeLand. Uh, his final like performance and memories that he gave on stage about you know being a Hollywood legend and working with... Oh, like Humphrey Bogart. Oh, what else? Alan Ladd. Donald O'Connor. Oh, yeah. So many. Billy Barty. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that Billy Barty story that he get, that he tells. I hope he shares that at Lake Collecticon about uh, Billy uh, riding a horse, right? I don't want to spoil it. 
you know, don't want to spoil the man's story. And by the way, he talks about in his book, which we just mentioned a little bit, uh, about uh, the physical fitness of the person who played Batman at the time, where uh, well, he might have been a little bit out of shape. He talks about uh, some of the scenes requiring running, and he, <laughs> they had to take breaks because <laughs> he was huffing and puffing. No. But he, he was talking about it in fun. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, where he's really uh, bashing the guy. Mm. So uh, the book is available. The DVD, I'm not certain, Mark. I'm not certain. I think maybe Terry will have a couple of those. I'm not 100%. We have a, a DVD with us, and I have no idea if we're going to give that away or not, to be quite honest yet. Just have to stay uh, with our website and social media to find out. But Outdated Slang, once again, will be there, and, you know, that'll be a fun thing that you are going to miss. I, I wish I didn't, but... And no, time calls, duty calls. I know, and you're an important TV guy. you got to get back up to the Chicagoland area. <laughs> but you'll miss up uh, people like uh, Roland Mann, who is a, uh, a comic book creator, uh, worked as an editor for Marvel Comics, Malibu Comics for a period of time, uh, and has a brand-new project that is uh, a steampunk graphic novel. And we will speak to uh, Roland about that at the event. We have interviewed him in the past about that. Also, artist Sean Surface will be talking about his brand new comic book called Mandy that he's uh, getting ready to actually make a debut with that. And we hopefully will have an opportunity to talk to him. And then an artist who I consider the Norman Rockwell of uh, the comic book world and pop culture, and that is John Pinto, will be there. These are just some of them. Just some of the, uh, the artists and, and other entertainers that are, will be there. And you can find out more. The list goes on. And that will be right at our website, RileyandKimmy.com. By the way, uh, one of the vendors I will stress is a good friend to the Riley and Kimmy show. And that is Pop Culture Playground. Be sure to check out Tom Raup and all the collectibles he brings. I've never been burned. We've never been burned by Tom. He has such a wide range of things, comic books that are great, uh, all the way back to the Silver Age. He has my favorites, Treasury Editions. And he will be there. And, oh, let's see a good friend of the Riley and Kimmy show. Ron Baxley Jr. will be there. Ron will be there. He is an Oz author. And what's so cool about Ron is when you and I were out and about earlier, uh, let's say on Tuesday, we went to a record store called Groovy Records in downtown DeLand. And I love going to Groovy Records. Now, I'm not going to bash other record stores, but I will say this much. Mark and I have been to other vinyl places that specialize in vinyl. Mm Mm-hmm. In Florida, I'm not going to say where, and I was disappointed in some of those locations because they were grimy and dirty and dusty and and actually smoke-filled. That's that's putting it lightly. Yeah, and that that is, and it was like, I don't want to take this item that's in this store back to my house, but, or to the Batcave, or I don't even want to frame it, touch it, or, you know, it's like, get me away, but Groovy Records, nice environment, and it's actually, I feel like I step back in time when I go in there in a good way. Uh, very friendly environment and you know groovy records cool place right and we spent some time there and i spent a couple of bucks and that's right and one of the things i found while i was going through the soundtrack bins i love looking for soundtracks one to play but also to frame and i found uh, i didn't know miko who they'd done the star wars theme if you remember it was mm-hmm. a it was a top 40 hit right but they did the wizard of oz soundtrack too in their you know moog synthesizer technology thing and that's there and also found some other uh, Wizard of Oz soundtracks and stuff like that. So and that made me instantly think of Lake Collecticon and Ron Baxley Jr. That'd be so cool to pick that, that either one of those records up or any other Wizard of Oz material and you'll maybe have Ron sign it. You know, it's possible. Ron will have some of his Wizard of Oz books and stuff available and that will be at Lake Collecticon. And once again, uh, another shout out back to... Uh, Groovy Records, just a really cool place, and they treated us very nice, and um, just 
just really, really nice place. They have a great, uh, great dog, by the way. Yeah, that dog is. Dog's big. I mean, that dog is big. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, uh, he, he's, a, he's a big, big guy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he, you and the dog got along quite, quite well, and I was proud to see that. Yep, yeah. it was great. I, I enjoyed playing, and she did not want to stop playing when it was time to go. She yeah. just kept like, here, play some more. It's sort of like me. That's the way I am. You know? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be that when you say it's time for you to go back up north. I'm going to say, more, play more, let's play more. You can't leave. <laughs> no, no, you can't leave, my friend. You have to stay the whole time. Now, you know, I said we would be watching some films or something like that before sitting down for episode 622 because before 621, we, we watched the Johnny Duncan story. And then we watched, uh, boy, I can't even remember what Doctor the, Who. Yeah, that's right. We watched, the, we watched the Day of the Doctors. But you brought something down from up north. Mm-hmm. And it was two DVDs, and we sat down and after dinner and watched these two DVDs. And Mark, um, I I don't know what did I do to you. That's uh, that's the first thing I have to say. What on earth did I did I offend you in some way with this <laughs> with this uh, trip down here? I mean, is this your way of uh, getting even for something? I mean. I don't quite understand. I mean, both DVDs are the, well, the public education classroom films of like the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. Yeah, you had uh, Cornet Films, uh, yeah. Encyclopedia Britannica, yeah. uh, even, well, uh, I don't know if I want to give it away, but even the Women's Christian Temperance Union. Temperance from Union, Illinois. Uh, from uh-huh. Evanston, who mm-hmm. uh, had this... I'm not sure if I remember that at all or seeing that. I'm sure they showed it at different uh, churches around. I uh, think of all of the, you know, episodes we saw, that was the strangest one. Yeah. With uh, the living whiskey bottle. Mr. Mr. Whiskey. Yeah, it was naming the character Mr. Whiskey and a country boy out in the farmlands of Illinois decides to go to the big city, which is Chicago. And and the cool part, though, is it was a time capsule trip. trip for us because we got to see uh, downtown Chicago and Navy Pier. I, wh- what time period was that? 1955? 53? Yeah, mid to late 50s. Uh, and there, you saw a little bit of uh, the the front uh, building fronts of Chicago. At the time when that was being filmed, uh, the Prudential Building was the tallest building in Chicago on the skyline. Uh, and uh, now, if you look at the skyline from wherever you're at, uh, say, uh, the planetarium or, or what have you, the uh, Shedd Aquarium, uh, if you're on land, you look at the skyline now, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find out where the Prudential Building is. still exists, wow. but there are buildings around it that just dwarf it. Uh, yeah. it, it so it is uh, just, just amazing to see uh, how the skyline has changed over the past uh, 50, 60 years. So the Hancock Building wasn't even around yet. No, they didn't. Uh, that wasn't until early seventies, matter of fact. Really? Yeah. So it's really the Hancock was really close to the tower, the Sears Tower time period. Then uh, the Sears yeah. Tower was what seventy three, four, four, right around in there. Yeah, a little, uh, probably a little, maybe a little bit later. But yeah, uh, at one time the Hancock was the tallest building in Chicago. And matter of fact, I have uh, when I was a uh, junior in high school, a senior in high school, we had a, a film class and we had to produce a film uh, for our grade. And I had some leftover eight millimeter film. So me and the guy, the guy I was with, we drove to Chicago, you know, and uh, drove up to the Hancock Center and shot from the observation deck outside. Uh, and it is, uh, it's very interesting. One, uh, the, the amount of traffic that's not there, and you see the shadow 
from where the sun is, where the Hancock shadow is going over the, the beach near Lake Michigan. And uh, my dad, uh, a few years ago, put all this stuff on a DVD. So that extra film that I took is part of this DVD, you know, the family movie. Wow. So, so it's kind of fun to see after all these years. That is. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. See, you were a young uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, yeah. There wasn't much violence in that, uh, in that okay, five-minute film. Okay, maybe a young Robert Rodriguez. Uh, there okay, you go. Close you know, enough. Yeah. yeah. There we go. I yeah. mean, you just you you didn't have Danny Trejo there. You didn't have nope. a machete. They're helping you out. You know. So, <laughs> no. Wow. You know. But yeah, that's that's pretty cool there. But you know, well, I tell you what. Whatever your skill levels were. It was probably better than some of the filmmaking technique or usage or skills I saw with these gems, like Volume 1, Manners, Courtesy, and Etiquette. One was one of the things, was it Volume 1? Oh, no, Volume 2 was Hygiene, Dating, and Delinquency. Now, I love the Hygiene one. The thing we took away from this, so you don't have to watch this at home, is shampooing. Now, Mark, what was the recommendation of shampooing on this? First of all, what year was this approximately from? Uh, 19, uh, early, early mid-50s. Hold, let's see if I can find it here. Hold on. Body care and grooming. You're, you're, we're wrong. 1946. Oh, okay. Aimed at the college crowd, this plea for good hygiene appeals to the older teenager's growing up urge to find a mate. The oh, that's film, right. That's the film right. covers all the basics of personal hygiene in case the teen never receives such information at home. And basically, this was, although uh, they talk about guys, but this was directed more towards women. I mean, especially, and wow. and was all, all, you know, pretty, some places sexist. I mean, these guys oh, are opening yeah. these girls, like, oh, look how good they are. And, yeah. Now, but they do talk about you know, how you, you know, wash your hands, you know, yeah. and they talk about washing your hair. Now, <laughs> we could we should i wish we would have been able to uh have done this one i wish we'd watched it ahead of time and then we could have went out and about and asked people this question okay because i'd be curious what the answer would be of today mm-hmm. you know because i don't think anybody i mean anybody would even get close to be, that be their answer what is on this film mark i'll let you reveal here's the question again you should shampoo your hair how often? And this was directed to women. Yeah, the college students. College so. students. But you see the, what you see is a w- woman washing her hair. Yes. And the voiceover announcer says you should do this every two weeks. <laughs> At least every, every two, two weeks. weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to know what these people's hair look like after the first week, <laughs> uh, unless they were in severe dry conditions. I'm. I just uh, two weeks. That is in 1946. Yeah, I. You know, 1800s or late 1800s. I would have said, well, maybe. You know, I, uh, that would have been surprising. Of course, I, it makes sense because maybe you just take the bath every Saturday, and every other Saturday you wash your hair. Uh huh. Well, I. I think I wonder if this was pushed and got pushed by the cosmetic industry at one time because there was a lot of you know the lotions and things they were mm-hmm. going through. I, I maybe not, but it, part well, of me. I, I, I wonder. I, I, I think you talk about that, and and again, this was one of those things when you're, you know, years ago, I'm walking into a drugstore, and as I walk in, I you know they had all these the women's cosmetics things on the left, makeup that kind of thing, and I think what do I use? I use a razor, shampoo for my hair, you know. Sometimes you know, aftershave or something like that, right. uh, you know, the, you know, uh, deodorant, uh, maybe something, you know, for like you know, I say the powder for you know, whatever, you know, feet or whatever. 
And and I'm thinking, okay, it costs me, you know, whatever, a few bucks. And I look at what the women have to do. And it is expensive if you're a woman and you want to do what they expect you to do as far as makeup, foundation, lipstick, right. uh, eyeliner, I mean, eyeshadow. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if I can understand why they want equal pay because they're going to lose out anyway because it is so expensive to buy this stuff. And even the cheapest makeup is is not cheap i mean it is expensive and uh if you're if you're a woman and you have to, you buy all these things i mean it costs you a pretty penny i mean it 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 like you say what i spend for what i think is proper hygiene for me and to look decent is is pittance compared to what women have to do well you just go down to the local car wash and you put some quarters in and tokens and you know just hose yourself <laughs> off every two weeks and and wash your hair with the the car yeah. wash because if you notice in the video here on the dvd for uh, you know what what you need to do is uh it said uh you could use sham- uh, use soap in your hair and, and the thing now this is 46 <laughs> i and I'd heard some of that early on, but I remember by the time I got to middle school, uh, or you know, it was called junior high when I was there. They didn't. They they asked you not to use soap because it would it was either too drying or it made your hair dull right. or something like that. So you weren't supposed to use, uh, you know, regular soap. Although I know people that did, but you weren't supposed to use it for washing your hair. Right. Especially so. if your hair was longer. And and and. Think of all these in each of these episodes we're watching, which dates from just after World War II into the, the early 60s. Uh, guy's hair, I mean, uh, Brill Cream yeah. uh, and other well, stuff. That well, they some put of them didn't there. really have to do much because they had that buzz cut going. Well, if you're a young little kid, these little kids, yeah, the yeah. kids had the, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the worst one, though, was uh, the one about the the uh, Jupiter and Juno and... Uh, Done by to, Marshall Field. Yeah, from ni- and I'm surprised it was from 1941 and I, I, I it was it was bizarre. Uh, as it said, veteran Hollywood character actor Chuck Chandler plays Thornton Poindexter. What a name. A hapless, a hapless everyman who learns that a little kindness goes a long way when a Roman god, Jupiter, allows him to relive... <laughs> Basically a Groundhog's Day kind of thing. It is. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Hey, maybe it influenced Bill Murray and Groundhog's Day. It was. It was probably the worst on the whole. Uh, whole and, lot. and you would think again, Marshall Field. Yes. And I, I'm thinking, uh, you know, Marshall Field dealing, especially in customer service for their products. Right. They're probably talk and it's probably aimed at the the people that work there at Marshall Field. You know, people may be rude to you, but be kind back, and they'll get returned. And I think that I think that was the basic line on this. But at the same time, it is it is done in such a a horrible fashion. And you would think Marshall Field would have the resources to yes. have something, uh, not say more Hollywood like, because it was shot in in a decent style. Yes. It just uh, it the message was just convoluted, and it was it 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 wasn't done very well. I mean, you think Marshall Field. Uh, of course, now, that's probably why they're Macy's now. But uh. hey, 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 <laughs> you know it's kind of the 1951 one called "Going Steady." Now, did I mean? Did you watch? I mean, when you were of the right age, where this kind of material would be for? Did you were you forced to watch that or anything close to that in school? Do you remember uh, the things I remember? 
Uh, Wasn't there the the driver's ed one that was uh, where they showed like four hundred one, forty one? What, what there were there were two there were two different states that I will and and some of those you can watch on YouTube now in driver's ed. Uh, what they would do at least when I was in driver's ed in the seventies, you basically you know you did your driver's ed class, you did you know you had your classroom stuff, you had your driver simulation, you had your, and the drivers practice outside in the cars, and the last meeting or two in they would show this 16 millimeter film and i've seen different ones uh ones from ohio they did and they'd update every once in a while ones from california and there's no way on god's green earth you would see this stuff today they would not even let you do this but they would show you know they would have actors portraying uh you know these real people and then getting involved in an accident and then you see the real film of these accidents where people were in the cars mangled yes. uh, blood uh even though it was black and white, some was in color. Uh, you know, people just in horrible shape. People probably within a few minutes of passing on, they would show and they would talk about, you know, don't, you know, don't fall asleep, don't do this on the right. road, whatever, trying to scare you. Uh, it is, I don't know if it affected anybody per se. I'm probably they got people got a little sque- squeamish watching it, but otherwise you know after a week you you know when you're 16 years old you forget about it but these film there's no way that anybody law enforcement uh people who are involved in these accidents through probably HIPAA laws now would let you put a camera basically almost in their face uh trying to get themselves pulled out of a, a wreck it right. is it's pretty gruesome to watch nowadays and, and it was gruesome at 16 when i watched it but watching it now you're like how do they get permission for one to do this now you know people think of the of of the you know years ago the yesteryear they say well you know things were better and calmer and people were uh, not as uh, into gruesome things but I'm not so certain about that and one of the reasons I state that is I remember you know and this is a long time ago uh, when I was very little like you know the five years age six at seventh most probably and what memories of being four you can remember that time frame. Uh, we lived out in the middle of nowhere in the country, and when you went down the dirt road and the gravel road, you would eventually get to you know paved blacktops, and then eventually you would get to U.S. 51. Mm-hmm. And the near, well, the nearest town only had 150 people, but the the big town where I went to school was bused to uh, had a thousand, and it was a crossroads of two highways. Okay, and they had four gas stations in this itty bitty town that were operational i believe at least till midnight every night okay maybe one was open even later i'm not sure about that but the big thing is i remember many times my dad waking us up going hey there's uh, been a head on or there's been a big wreck yeah let's go look at the wreck and you know you'd be all mangled and there'd be blood and you know on the car i mean the person had probably just been pulled out of the car and the car itself or truck or whatever been pulled or towed to one of these gas stations and people be crowding around this thing uh looking at it you know and in the daytime taking a picture with their crude camera of the day uh, i just remember that you know and it was like a you know a very gruesome thing uh yet they were into that it, it seemed like a little bit you know i, I, I don't say entertainment but uh, you could look at it they now they're you're talking about uh US 51 yeah. has since been replaced by Interstate 39 in that area. However, 51 during that time before there was the interstate in the early 90s was the one of the most dangerous uh, US highways around. I can uh, imagine. It, it was I think which is one of the reasons they built 39 
from basically Bloomington to Rockford because, uh, and I traveled 51 a bit here and there, and you know, it basically is it's it's a farm road they designated a highway. That's uh, right, yeah. and you know farm equipment would come on, mm-hmm. and that's where they they pull off of these uh, side roads and on 51, and that would cause problems. Uh, yeah, it 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 was, it was rough, and uh, 51 is a fun ride. Uh, I drove 51. One time when I worked in uh, Tennessee, uh, I drove all the way down through the state, the mid part of the state, uh, from like Bloomington all the way through Cairo uh, into where I can't remember it was it becomes 45 I think in uh, Tennessee or or mm. Kentucky I can't remember where it becomes right there when you cross over, uh, but yeah I rode 51 as far as it could go. You can actually go to Memphis in 51, but I went switched over to 45 I think it is uh, to cut into uh, mid part of Tennessee. But yeah, it it gets down to where it's really one car can fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're in that Cairo area, in between it and Carbondale, it's it's pretty. It's a wild trip, and it gets hilly. Most people don't realize that part of Illinois is a different part where I grew up, and it's it is it's hilly, and you can come up upon a tractor right in the middle of the road. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it, it's a U.S. highway. So yeah, I mean there there was people you know that seem to be fascinated with that kind of weird stuff or, that we would consider maybe weird or morbid now. Um, I think back then. You know, maybe that's why these move those movies, those things did exist too. They were, you know, accepted. Right, and and again, the the, the purpose of it was to scare people into driving safe because the scenarios they had these different scenarios of what was going on before each accident, and then uh, and and one of them that I remember, I haven't seen it on YouTube. Signal is it signal? Right, signal whatever. And yeah, that meant a, you know, from, uh, and there was one from. There's been a, a few. And it seems like the updated every three or four years, at least, uh, in California. And the one we saw when I was in high school dated back probably way over a decade or so. And the guy who was playing a California Highway Patrol uh, officer was uh, Milburn Stone. Oh, Doc Adams. Yes. Doc Adams from Gunsmoke. And he played this, you know, you know, explaining what was going on. Uh-huh. And because uh, and I, because I like, you know, no, that's, yeah, that's Doc from Gunsmoke. But hey, we played this office, you know, and played this highway patrol uh, officer and explaining stuff. And then you would see these different, you know, they have the music to go with it, and it just, like, say, so you're watching this, and and uh, the first thing I'm thinking of is these cars look pretty old for one, because these, I don't, I think they updated them up through the early '70s, uh, mm. and that was pretty much it. And by then, I say, over the next uh, decade or so, different laws took effect, and you know, trying to now you will see those images and things still exist for law enforcement to investigate, to analyze that kind of thing. But the public will, you know, probably won't be able to see those because of the nature of this. Again, by today's standards, you're violating HIPAA laws for right. privacy and and things of that nature. Uh, and it is, I say, you see it, and I'm thinking at 16, you watch it, yeah, you're scared, but then two weeks later. It yeah. probably doesn't make much of a difference. You know, you're immortal at 16. Most oh, 16 yeah. 16-year-olds yeah. think that, right? Oh, yeah. Well, let's move away from the uh, the gruesome stuff, and I'll just say this much. Thank you for sharing the DVDs titled Atomic Age Classics for anybody who's looking for these. Uh, they are subtitled 20th Century Treasures, and they are treasures. Um, and uh, let's see, Volume 1 is Manners, Courtesy, and Etiquette. Volume 2, Hygiene, Dating, and Delinquency. I don't know if they're still available. They came out. Uh, I'm taking a look here at 2005. And uh, if you can find them possibly on Amazon or wherever, I say get them. They're fun. Uh, 
it's it's history. And Mark and I, I think we're both looking at it. We were looking at the cars and we were looking at the clothing and laughing at the horrible acting. And we added our own dialogue. Uh, I think oh, our, it was it was our own version of MST3K. Yeah, I think uh, we should have recorded that. Actually, maybe we'll do that on your next uh, adventure. We will we will you know add our own mm-hmm. uh, audio. It might be fun, uh, and maybe we'll have a private screening. You know, have people invited over for that one. That could be kind of fun. Oh, why not? Yeah, I think Kimmy appreciate that, wouldn't she? So let's move over to some fun. Do uh, very similar to what we did the previous episode, and that is it is September sixteenth when this show is available Wednesday. And besides being, by the way, Comic Book Day, that's right. New product is available at all comic book stores throughout the country. And if you don't know what is brand new, and I'm including merchandise like T-shirts and mugs and things like that, not just comic books, graphic novels, and trade paperbacks. We have a link to that right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Right now, moving to the Almanac, Mark, we're going to be bouncing around on years here, not uh, you know to mm-hmm. necessarily be one right after the other as in the series, sure. so we make it not that easy for a smart person like you. September 16th, first one should be quite easy. This On this date, this TV show made its premiere. The TV show is Outer Limits. Tell me the network, tell me the year. Okay, it had to be, it's, it was ABC. Very good. Uh, 1963. You got it, 1963, The Outer Limits. What's your favorite episode, just from the top of your mind, of The Outer Limits? The Architects of Fear. Whoa, and he even knows the title. How do you know that? How did you do that? <laughs> you asked, I answered. Uh, well, I mean, that's impressive. I mean, uh, and, and, that's, and see, that's Robert Culp, right? Right, and uh, it is. it is probably when you watch it. Now, again, they... One of the things ABC said in order to, you know, they couldn't do like an Outer Limits thing where they could just do a scenario and and, and have these great actors. Uh, ABC demanded there be some kind of monster in this. Right. And a lot of times the monsters are kind of interesting, but they still had to have something that was a monster. But anyway, other than that, this, this is probably uh, close enough where it could have been a movie. I mean, the dialogue was good. You mm-hmm. had uh, a great director directing this. Culp was excellent. Yes. Um, the person that played his wife, uh, she she was like. There's this great dialogue between them, and also uh, one of the guy, the guy who does one of the associate producers, uh, also did. Uh, he was a great mu- uh, music arranger and writer and everything else, and he wrote this great uh, score for this uh, episode. And I, I think it's great stuff. Matter of fact, I recorded bits and pieces uh, and put them on a, you know, uh, a memory stick and I play in the car every so often. Cause it, you the, nerds. It's, it's, yeah, because it, the dialogue is just great with Culp. Uh, my other, my other uh, one. I, yeah, I think you're, you and I are going to say the same one. Is it the thing that, is it the two, or at least one of the two that influenced the Terminator? Yeah, Soldier. Okay. Yes. And I've got that with Michael Lancera. Who is the voice for other nerds who don't know this part. He was the voice of Mr. Freeze in the Batman animation and also the cartoons of, ba- I mean, uh, video games of Batman. And he was three different Klingons, if I remember correctly, in mm-hmm. Star Trek. That's right. And he you know, also at one time at that period, he was uh, Barbara Eden's husband. That's correct. And he played uh, this gin uh, in, in I Dream of Genie on a couple of episodes. Very right, 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 very right, very good. So, but, and he was also in... He was uh, in Daniel Boone. He played right? played as a, a Native American. Played He played a wide range of individuals. He was also, the first time I remember seeing him was in the movie with Walter Pigeon, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Oh, yes. 
You're so, good. You're good. Thank you. So that is one. I, now I, I figured that would be, and that is, by the way, I, I say check that out, and you'll see how it did influence Terminator. And the other one, Demon. Demon with a glass hand. Is that it? Another Harlan Ellison. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And 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 both. By the way, uh, Soldier and uh, Demon are both written by Harlan, and he had conflict with James Cameron. And it, just take a look at the uh, Terminator movie credits. It, Harlan is acknowledged. Yeah, dedicated to the works of Harlan Ellison. <laughs> so uh, and, but but again, when you watch Soldier, and it's not a, a horrible episode. Uh, no. It's 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 decent. I mean, there uh, there's a couple of actors, older actors who probably could have done better but uh i think one of them was hard of hearing or something like mm-hmm. that but all, other than that it's it's pretty good and when you see terminator i mean their the resemblances are you know it's not coincidental yeah, yeah yeah it was it was definitely an influence and you can see william shatner in the one of the episodes where he is in project vulcan uh-huh uh, it, which uh, gee i wonder if that's a coincidence or something they asked him about that years ago and he you know he was just like well i just did the part i don't remember much about well, it well see i know and and it might cause some people to have their feathers ruffled a little bit but gene Roddenberry did hang out at the set uh on the shooting of that show i'm sure it had some influence because if you remember uh the uh, episode with the Horda on Star Trek. Remember the Horda that burned through the tunnels and stuff like that? The Horda was actually a monster that was standing up on the Outer Limits. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, the guy who did the opening, the narration of Outer Limits uh, was a voice of an alien in uh, at least one, maybe two episodes. Matter of fact, two, he was a nomad's voice. And he was also the voice of this uh, highly, uh, of the Gorn. Uh, the ones who were orc, uh, that were controlling the Gorn fighting Kirk uh, that you mm-hmm. see at the very end, the childlike looking uh, entity uh, is that person. So there's an Outer Limits tie to Star Trek one way or the other. Now, it's, yeah, and, and Shatner, he was in a lot of, he was in, a, I think, Twilight Zone. Epi- well, yes. yeah, the, the, Two. the infamous Twilight Zone. Well, he's episode. also one with the devil uh, right. uh, where he's the fortune. He's right, the doing fortune. the fortune. And he, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and yeah, yeah. And, you know, Shatner's good. Don't get me wrong. I know that's going to surprise some people. I mean, he, don't judge him on the characterization type thing, but you can see him in some really unique performances like on in Thriller. Uh, he's in an episode of Thriller, which is really cool, where he uh, takes a house that he's renovating, he and his wife, and he's a, a photographer, and the house is, has no mirrors in it. And the professor from Gilligan's Island plays in that with him. And then one of them is Naked City. He plays in two different episodes. And one of them really stands out in my mind. He plays a psycho a psych- that you think may, a very temperamental artist. And you don't know whether he is killed or not. And it, he, he, you know, he was good. He pulls it off. Yeah. 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 Uh, another uh, Shatner thing. Then uh, this just, uh, yeah, not many people. He was played a soldier and aide. In uh, Judgment at Nuremberg. Nuremberg. Yes, mm-hmm. with Spencer Tracy. Right. Yes. And uh, that's even before I think the material we're talking here is real close. But yeah, I mean, he. The, and and I love seeing him in at least two or one of, no, two episodes of Columbo. He did Columbo as well. Mm-hmm. And it, man, I can't. And Mission Impossible. He plays in two different episodes of uh, Mission Impossible, actually. And one of them is really bizarre because he opens it up in Mission Impossible. It's the latter years of Mission Impossible. And. He's playing a character who's like 75 or so, and they, or upper 60s, and they convince him that he has been transported back in time, and it's the 1920s, I think it is, and he's far younger. And, you know, they reverse age him, supposedly. It's a cool thing, and he does play the old 
character quite well, both. So, you know, and, I, and I'd have to take a look at his chronology, what he's written in the book in the past. But some of those scenes, or some of those shows we were talking about, he might have been, because after Star Trek, there was a period of time he was living in the back of his pickup truck. He was homeless. And so, and he was acting, you know, bit parts and stuff like that, or guest roles. And he was, you know, living in the back of the pickup truck. I think the, and, and, he, and you ready for this? Yeah. He was doing birthday parties in the Captain Kirk suit. He ran ads, you know, have Cap. I don't know the exact words. I can't remember, you know, but have Captain Kirk, you know, beam aboard your birthday party. And he was doing appearances. That is true. The the worst one I saw him uh, was the a, bees, the killer bees, uh, invasion of the spiders. Oh, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah that was. Yeah. Yeah. I knew. It was, I know it was some insect type thing. <laughs> it, was, it, it was bad. It was bad. All right, let's 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 move on. Okay, here we go. The Bob Newhart Show premiered on what network and what in what year? CBS. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking 1973. 1972s. Close enough. You yeah. you did it. Jimi Hendrix made his final public appearance. He appeared with Eric Burden and War at a club in London. What year? Hmm. 1969. 1970. Okay. Next one. The Dean Martin Show debuted on what network and what year? NBC 1965. Oh, you're good did you watch the dean martin show? i did well I, my my mom and dad did but i did too because i thought he he was kind of even as as a young kid i thought some of the stuff he did was pretty funny especially you know hopping up with piano uh making up lyrics to songs before he sang a song and then he had this thing where he opened the door uh in that era and people would come out one of them was frank sinatra and one of them was right and he hit was funny was he did this thing where he was doing this for like two or three weeks and the Strangers of the Night had, was coming out uh, as a single. And he would say towards the end of the show, if you can identify this song, and he'd hear doobie doobie doo. Oh, jeez. And, 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 and I, you know, as a kid, I was you know, it's kind of funny to hear. He did this for two or three weeks, and then he opens the door after they, you know, and out pops Frank Sinatra doing, you know, Strangers of the Night. No, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he, when this debuted in 1965, it's getting really close when James Bond because of the influence of the movie James Bond, he would take over a role, a spoof role. Yet James Colburn, who did Our Man Flint, which is, you know, a spoof of Bond kind of thing. And I loved James Colburn. But did you like the spy movies that Dean Martin did? And can you tell me the name of the character? Matt Helm. Yes, that's right. I, I, I have, I did have one on video or a VHS tape really? of one of, uh, one of those. And cause I, I would be like, okay, this is see how this wears. And, and he was playing it, you know, wasn't playing it so serious and he wasn't playing it campy, but I mean, he was playing it to the level that you knew, you know, this was kind of, you know, uh, a little spoofy, but he still played it pretty well. Okay, I guess yeah. that was a, a like. I remember as a kid, I liked the Colburn one. I didn't care for the Matt Helm James Colburn. My dad liked uh, Colburn. Yeah, in like Flint. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, I just dug, I dug those. Yeah. His secret, his secret uh, code for uh, coding things and decoding things was 362436. You are, man, you are an <laughs> ultimate nerd. Yeah. I mean, and, right. and let's face it. I mean, he, he had one hell of a read i mean his voice was so powerful you know and and he could control it and it was just, it was just cool you know he, he had that cool cat thing going it was, oh yeah it was really cool time. i liked him a lot and let's see a couple of more here the andy griffith show was seen for the final time on cbs tv leading to its spinoff uh okay uh 1965 1968 
68? I, wow, yeah. I didn't know it went on that yeah, far. Yeah, I think it went on a little too long. You oh, know, yeah. When you get to that Howard Sprague years, I'm, I'm saying, you know, it, yeah. it was time to pull the plug. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was it was time to say, go away. Anyway, okay, and the last one for you before we move to one little segment here is, and this one you're going to get instantly, I'm pretty sure, the Beatles single, She Loves You, was released in the United States in what year? 1964. 1963, according to the source. Oh. Whoa. 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 Beatlemania. Uh, and oh, here's here's a couple <laughs> quick things. Um, a Beatles song was released before the Beatles, done by uh, Del Shannon from Me to You. Okay. He, you know, he recorded it. He heard the Beatles version. Uh, they and he decided to record it for the U.S. market. And it's not bad. It's not a bad song. It's certainly not the Beatles, but it's. But that was the first time a Beatles song was was uh, made a chart. Although it wasn't. I think it's top 40. It wasn't top 20. But, uh, yeah, Dell Shannon from Me to You came out before the Beatles uh, came to the U.S. I did not know that, Casey Kasem. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You are, you know. Or maybe you're like a version of Dick Clark. I don't know. You are the teenager here. You know, you are America's I like to think that. Teenager. That's you. That is you. And let's see. Richard Marks having a birthday today. What year was Richard Marks born? Ooh. Singer Richard Marks. 1953. 1963. Uh. Next one for you, Mark. Of these three, which one's the oldest? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Ed Begley Jr., okay. David Copperfield, the music, uh, the magician, okay. illusionist, Mickey Rourke. Um, I've got to say uh, Copperfield. You are wrong. Ah, David Begley? Copperfield, born in 1956. Mickey Rourke, born the same. And Ed Begley Jr., born in 1949. Begley Jr., 49? 1949. Wow. He is the elder of the group. So there, we're wrapping up our almanac right there for September 16th. Be sure to check out the Riley and Kimmy show for archive podcasts we have all of them available right there at our website all you know 621 others are right there we have plenty of entertainment for you because what we offer is nerd escapism all the time now mark before i let you go are you going to come back to the riley and kimmy show are you coming back down to florida i mean oh i'll i'll get back around here again yes okay because we have to do a quick shout out to let's see mike kales of florida he says i want to hear more of mark mayhew he sent me a message of that he wants to hear more of you well, we can uh, probably sometime down the road also do another Skype. Uh, we well, let's that. do that. Let's try to do that at least once a month. Uh, that would be Skype, good. okay? I, if I can, you know, pencil you in there for that. Not a problem. Okay. Uh, and let's see more information about our appearance coming up at the Lake Collecticon and Mountain Door, available right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Visit RileyandKimmy.com to connect on social media and for archive podcasts.